Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I am your founder and host, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Gregory Offner Jr. And here's a bit about Gregory. He is a globally recognized expert on performance, the founder and CEO of Global Performance Institute and an international keynote speaker. His performance agreement methodology has helped organizations develop the skills necessary to thrive under pressure and create cultures of high-performing, highly fulfilled people. In addition to his international business and leadership experience, he holds advanced professional designations in the fields of risk management, organizational development, Lean Six Sigma, and Positive Psychology. Gregory is also an accomplished entertainer, having performed professionally on five continents and numerous countries as a solo artist and dueling piano performer. Maybe we'll get him to play today. If not, we are going to dive into disruption. What does Gregory mean by disruption and how can we build around purposeful performance, leadership, and creativity while still being disruptive? So without further ado, please welcome Gregory Offner Jr. to GEMS Podcast. Hi, Genesis. How are you? Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. Man, when I saw that you played the piano, I was like, ooh, that would be so cool to have him play a few lines for us. But <laughs> wishful thinking, unless you have one near you. It's, it is not set up in this particular studio. What's wild is that uh, when, when the pandemic started, obviously as a person who speaks at conferences, my whole world was disrupted. And we were expecting our first baby. And we talked a little bit about that before the show started recording. And so I said to Kim, I've got to do something to be able to earn revenue, to be able to create joy in other people's lives in this totally weird situation we're in. So I had all the musical equipment. We bought a little more equipment online. And now we've got this basically TV studio in the back bedroom of our home where where we're talking today is my kind of podcast or my day-to-day recording studio. But then on the other side of this room is this whole stage setup. It looks like a piano bar. My piano is there. We've got multiple cameras and it's not set up to go now, but we were broadcasting at one point to over 6,000 people at a time doing these virtual piano shows. People all over the world were tuning in, all requests. We, we at one point partnered with an organization, the Ryan Seacrest Foundation, that was doing beaming us into children's hospitals through an organization called Win Win uh, that, set, that sort of set that connection up. So, yeah, it's here. It's not ready to go, but... We could certainly talk about it and have some fun talking about music and how music is disruptive. That is super, super cool. So that is almost like an interesting fact, but I definitely want to break the ice and have you share a fun and interesting fact about yourself. All right. So fun and interesting fact. I went to a performing arts camp when I was a kid. 
and I wasn't really interested in the piano back then. I thought I was going to be a vaudeville style comedian. They had a class at this performing arts camp where they taught you how to spin plates and juggle and how to do pratfalls, you know, fake falls, like what some of the actors do when they fall down three or four sets of stairs. And we put on this vaudeville style show where there's a piano player doing ragtime. And we, we, it was so much fun. We were so excited about this performance. And I was so disappointed to find that nobody goes to shows like that anymore. There was no future for that, but there clearly has been for the piano. So that's a unique fact, I think. Yeah, that definitely is. So thank you for sharing that. And I had no idea what a vaudeville show was until you explained it. So you definitely helped me connect the dots. And Gregory, I want you to talk about why do you speak on disruption? And when you think about disruption, what does it mean? Because obviously, you know, disruption may mean one thing to you, but totally different to somebody else. So let's put the context around it and lay the foundation. Yeah, that's a really great place to start, Genesis, because if we can't define it, how can we achieve it? I've asked leaders all over the world what disruption is. Many times, they don't know. They can't describe it. So what we define as disruption is a change that sustains and sets a new standard. Right? So it's a change that sustains and sets a new standard. Because disruption doesn't just happen once. I think a lot of people have this idea that, you know, disruption is a big event and it happens and then we move on. Well, if we think about the definition, it's actually a change. Change happens all day long. Change our shirt, change our mind, change all sorts of things. Does the impact of that change last? Yeah. So one of the frustrations, you know, prior to the pandemic in the corporate world was we moved from everybody having offices or many people having offices to nobody having offices, realized for a lot of folks that didn't work, that open office concept. And now organizations were going back to some offices. That's frustrating. That's not a change that sustains. That's an interruption. That's not a disruption. We don't like interruptions. Interruptions are like TV commercials. We want to speed on through them and get back to what we were doing. So when, it, when a disruption happens, when a change that sustains and sets a new standard, when that happens, what is the part of the change that sustains? So for telecommunication, it might be when we cut the cord and now we don't have telephones that are attached to the wall, they're attached to our hip. Big change, we're probably never going back to telephones that are attached to the wall. That's the part of that change that's sustained. But I bet at some point in the future, I don't know, maybe, we're gonna have telephones that are like implanted in our hand and our pinky is what we talk into and our thumb is what we listen to, who knows? And then what will happen next, I don't know. And so that setting a new standard is the part that I get excited about because that's what advances us when we disrupt. Sometimes we think of disruption as a, as a negative and it, it can be sometimes disruption sets us back. For example, if, if my house were to catch fire and I hope it doesn't, that's a change that's going to sustain and set a new standard. I'm not saying that standard is better. I'm saying it's new. My goal, my charge, my hope would be how quickly can I disrupt again? How quickly can I create a new place for change that sets a new standard? Can I get another house? Can I get my house rebuilt? So yeah. it's up to us to create disruption and then create it again. I definitely like 
the way that you prefaced that because whenever you talked about disruption and you walked us through what does it look like and what it means to you and just by giving us your definition of it, it is seen in a positive manner. It's seen as a way to, okay, this is something that happened, but we're going to learn from it and we're going to grow from it versus, oh my gosh, this is something that's wrecking my world. And I feel like if you look at it with a positive lens versus a negative lens, then you're able to build upon where you are currently and where you want to go. And I like the way that you say disruption because it is seen in a negative way um, based on who you're talking to. And a lot of people, for example, example, think that the pandemic was a disruption because they're like, are we ever going to go back to normal? Well, normal is gone. We are in the new normal. And I feel like the pandemic has either caused you to wake up or keep you woke, in my opinion, because it challenged businesses. It challenged it challenged all of us, no matter where you were, socioeconomic status wise. And it gave you, you know, that consistency to change where you are. And when I say change, a lot of businesses that were brick and mortar found out, okay, well, if my business is forced to close down, then I can pivot and take my business online. And then they found out that, okay, my ideal avatar is actually online and I could have a massive e-commerce. And you start to see how their business became profitable. And they're like, oh, it doesn't really make sense to have a brick and mortar. Those are just a few examples because I always like to put in examples to complement the context of what we're talking about, Gregory. So feel free to share any other examples that you have you know, discovered in your disruption phase. What you said just a few words ago about folks wanting to go back to normal and recognizing that this is the new normal. This is normal. I hear that a lot. I hear a lot of people when I, wherever I'm at in the world speaking, a lot of people seem to be focused on getting something that they once had now. And if we continue to spend energy on wishing that the past weren't some sort of way, we'll continue to not have energy to make the future the way we want it. People that are focused on how things were and how do we get back there, spin their wheels. It's, it's really unproductive. If you remember, my, one of my first video games when I was a kid was Super Mario Brothers. And that first Super Mario Brothers, you couldn't go back. All you could do was walk forward. And that's such a great metaphor for where we are in life. Because you've got to move forward. What happened, happened. I'm not saying it was good. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm not, it's not a judgment call. It's simply that it happened. What we get to choose is what happens next. That's where all the power lies. But I see so many people wasting their energy focused on what has happened instead of channeling their energy towards what could happen next. If we all work together, if we all demand that things change in whatever way or for whatever goal inspires us. That's where I, I hope through the work that I do, I get to make an impact for others. Is it, and you used the term perspective shift earlier in our conversation. One of the greatest skills we can develop is the ability to shift perspective. And it's easy to say that when things are going well, 
hard to say when things are going poorly, but when things are going poorly is when it's the most important to be able to use that skill. So I ask folks, if you're having a great day, start practicing how to shift perspective. Take a moment to see things from another lens because you're feeling good. The day is going great. Hey, no big deal. Let's just take a second and practice this thing. Because when you're not having a good day, you don't want to practice. You want to see results. But the only way you get results is if you practice when you're having a good day. We, when we were younger, did you ever do a fire drill in school? They ask you to walk out of the building calmly and everybody's giggling and having fun. Ooh, the fire drill, we're stopping school. Ooh. But we do that on a regular day when nothing's going wrong because when, God forbid, there is a fire or we need to get out of the building, we've built up that understanding. We've practiced what it is that we now need to go perform. And so many people wake up every day and just perform. They don't, they skip the practice part and they wonder why they're not getting what they want, getting where they want. It's because people that are at the top of their game, sports, business, entertainment, they practice before they perform. And that goes for gratitude. It goes for these perspective shifts and it goes for disruption. Absolutely. And I just loved everything that you say, because in order to have that perfection, it's going to take progress to get there and practice. So I always say practice is what's leading to progression. Progression is leading to perfection. And without that, you aren't going to be where you want to be. And you have to be okay, not being okay sometimes, but you also have to build upon where you are. We are in a marathon, not a sprint. And life is a roller coaster ride. There's always going to be highs and lows, ups and downs. But what are you learning from each pivot that you're in? Because as a roller coaster goes up, it's going to stop and then it's going to come down. And as it stops, that's a lesson learned. As it goes down, that's a lesson learned. As it comes up, that's a lesson learned. And I feel like we all need to be cognizant of that. And if we are cognizant of it, it sparks our creativity, which is an area that you talk about, and also a purposeful performance. Because I like to say, Creativity plus purposeful performance equals disruption, in a sense, in my opinion, because you're creating something new, you have that idea, you are allowing that idea to spark, and by sparking that idea, your leadership kicks in, you're taking ownership of your leadership your leadership skills, and then others are seeing what you're doing. So they're gravitating to you. And then you see the purposeful performance. So can we expound on what you mean by your, your um, terminologies and the areas that you like to help your clients in, Gregory? And feel free to rephrase it. Yeah, well, and I, I mean, I, I got to give you like a big virtual high five here because the way that you framed that up, I think Genesis is really really exceptional because that disruption creating a change that sustains and sets a new standard as a result as the uh, byproduct of understanding why and getting creative with how is brilliant that is that is at its essence what we boil it down to and so an example of that would be one that i use in my keynote the first night i ever worked at a piano bar I was super excited, couldn't wait to get in. 
And it was back before iPads existed. So piano players would bring backpacks full of music so that if someone made a request, we had this binder of stuff that, you know, we could play through. Well, I got to the piano bar, I was saying hi to everybody. And, you know, there are a couple people there. And generally what happens at the beginning of the night is you play through some songs that you're comfortable with. You start to warm your voice up. There's stuff, you know, from memory. And you wait for the patrons to start putting request slips on the piano so you know what they want to hear. So I'm going through the songs, playing them all from memory, stuff that I'm comfortable with. It's warming my voice up. People are getting comfortable. They're writing their requests down. The slips are starting to pile up on the piano. And I thought, okay, about halfway through the set, this is great. I got another halfway to go through the set. Then I'll take my break. Let me get the binder and I can start playing some of these requests. And I I lean over and I, uh, I had been so excited to come in that I left my binder in the car. Now, I couldn't leave the piano bar. That wouldn't work at all. It was my first night. They'd probably tell me not to come back. You got to play at least till the break. So I had to figure out a way to get to the break while keeping the bar entertained, while not embarrassingly saying, hey, I don't uh, know these songs, so I'm just going to play the songs I just played all over again. So what was I to do? Genesis, what you teed up for this is that I needed to create a disruption. I needed to understand what the purpose of this performance was, and I needed to get creative with how I got there. So what was the purpose? Well, in that moment, I realized that the purpose really wasn't to play the request slips. That was a bonus. The purpose was to entertain the people in the bar. That's why I'm there. I'm entertainment. It's really what it is. Now, what's the process? Well, the process is playing those request slips, but is that the only way? And this is where we got curious. What else could I do that might be entertaining? So I'm frantically scanning the piano, looking for one more song, just one more song that I know from memory, please. I was begging the universe, please, one more, just give me something. And I saw a song that I knew. And as I started to play this song, it was the Joker by Steve Miller Band. As I started to play this song, I realized that It sounded like another song. In the music world, we call this a mashup when two songs kind of blend together. And as I started playing the second song, I realized that there was another and another and another. And by by the time I realized what was happening, I had found six songs that I knew that all sort of sounded like this. And the bar's loving it because they didn't know a mashup was coming. I mean, I didn't know a mashup was coming either, but everyone's enjoying it. I'm creatively fulfilling the purpose of this performance. And in doing so, I created a disruption because now I have that mashup and I play it in my keynotes. I've played it for the last, you know, 15 years. I don't know how long I've been doing this. It's been a while. That's not something I had when I walked into the piano bar that night. So the obstacle of not having my music actually became an opportunity. And like you mentioned with brick and mortar and some of these stores that have gone digital, understanding their avatar, we can see the pandemic as an obstacle or we can choose to see it as an opportunity and get curious about what could we do? Because the past, as we've said already, the past is we're not going back there. We're not gonna go back to doing the way we did business before the pandemic. Some elements of that will reemerge, but it ain't ain't gonna be like, all right, this is over, thank God. Huh, now we can go back to quote unquote normal. So the way that purposeful performance is influenced by creativity really boils down to the questions we ask instead of sitting at the piano asking myself why why is this 
It's happened to me, Greg. Why are you so dumb? Why do you forget all the time? I mean, that wouldn't have done any good in that scenario. Thankfully, I asked a better question. I said, what could I do instead? And then I understood that the purpose was not the requests. The purpose was entertainment. And by asking a better question, understanding the purpose of, of the performance, I was able to create disruption. Beautiful. Because you, when I heard you speak that, it's like, what is the why? What is the how? What is the who? And you already knew where you were. So the where told you, I'm, I'm in a place that is requiring entertainment. And your job was to entertain. Why was was tied. Oh, go ahead, Greg. I was just going to say, I don't want to, so I just want to make, make sure that we're, because I love where you're going with this, but it's the how mm -hmm. you said. I think that the how is the least important of all of them. And a lot of times we get hung up on that. So you're right. It was the, why am I here? What am I doing? You, you were just saying, as I interrupted you so rudely, and I'm sorry, you were just saying, you know, I know where I am and you're right. Yeah. But I just want to make it clear that if we focus on all of those other elements, the how presents itself. And I see a lot of people who get hung up on not knowing how they're going to do something. And so they just don't do anything. Often just getting started is what we need to do. And the how, how is this going to happen? It reveals itself through action. So thank you for letting me interrupt you. But I just thought that was such an important point that you're on such an important track. But I wanted to clarify that the how that'll figure itself out generally. Yeah. And I, I really liked how you, ex how you just explained that because I was eventually going <laughs> to do that. So we're on the same wavelength here. And it's so important that you knew each part of the reason for where you want, where you were. The problem was that you forgot your, your music book in the car, but you did not allow that to limit you from delivering what you were placed there to do. And everything worked out in its end. And then the how eventually came into place once you figured out the who the why and etc then the how revealed itself and that's a part of being a purposeful performance because sometimes if you don't understand the foundations then you're not going to have the purpose the purpose there and the purpose is not going to be driven by the overall performance and I want to ask this profound question and feel free to answer it and listeners and viewers I want you to ask yourself what is my purpose for where I am now what is my purpose for where I want to go is it adding value to the world or am I gaining value back because I feel like some, so many times in life, people can have a stellar performance, but they don't know their purpose. So without knowing their purpose, they're not fully tapping into their overall performance. Do you want to chime in there, Gregory? I think that, yes, I do want to chime in because I think it's a really important topic to discuss. For some of my career, before I began the work that I do now. And actually, let me just real quick, before we move past the piano bar story, I just want to clue the listeners in that like that didn't, I didn't know what was happening when it was happening. That was not intentional. 
I've re-engineered as I looked back in hindsight and said, well, what actually happened in that experience? In the moment, that was all instinct. That was all the result of practice beforehand. All of that would not have been possible if I hadn't practiced the little things that went into that. So, because I've fallen into the trap of hearing someone describe something the way we just talked about it and going, oh my God, like they must be a master. How do they figure that out? No, it's, it's really not. It, it sounds probably more grand than it was in the moment when we describe it. But really what that is, is when you create the conditions to allow yourself to perform in an inspired way, to deliver an inspired performance, then when an obstacle presents itself, everything you've been practicing, everything you've been doing leading up to that allows you to turn it into an, op- an opportunity, to see it as an opportunity. But we've got to put in the work beforehand. I call it the performer's process. Um, and in fact, since I'm, since I'm just mentioning it, if any of your listeners want to know what that is, if they text PERFORM to 33777, I'll drop them this quick little video snippet that talks about the process because it's what musicians do all day long. It's our life. We live this process. Sports, anybody who's in, I don't want to say performing arts, but anyone who's in a role where they need to learn something and then go and display it for other, you know, as I think about it, this is kind of everyone who's alive. There's something you're trying to learn that you want to then go and do. So this performer's process will help. So if you text perform to 33777, I'll send that to you. I'm not going to spam you with other crap. That's not what this is about. It's getting you something that's valuable. But so you had asked a very interesting question about impact. And that's a word that's really important to me because I see, and I did this early in my career, I see a lot of people that get concerned about their income. And I understand why we have to live somewhere. We have to eat something. We have to, most of us, God, I hope, have to wear some clothes on our body at some point, right? And we need to pay for that. So income is important. I'm not saying it's not. But I am saying that if all we're focused on is income, what can I do for money? Will this business make me money? Can I sell this business for a lot of money? We're going to fall short. But what I found is that the people who focus on impact What is the greatest amount of value that I can deliver for someone else? What is the greatest amount of value I can deliver in my community? What's the greatest amount of value I can deliver for my country? What's the greatest amount of value I can deliver for the world? When people focus on delivering impact, the income follows. It takes care of itself because income is important, but it is the result of impact. I get to, I get to talk just on this note. I get to talk to CEOs, people who run massive companies, people who run small companies, but being a CEO is, is challenging. And when I get to talk to CEOs, what I've learned is I've not met a single CEO who was not influential. Every CEO I've met is influential. They are an influential person. They can get stuff done but they're not influential because they're the CEO. They're the CEO because they're influential. That's how they got that title. And so many people, myself included, when I first started in business, 
wait to be anointed or appointed a leader. Somebody comes around a fairy godmother with a wand and says, poof, you're a leader. That's not how it works. You start leading and the title follows. The subordinates follow, the opportunities follow. So if we lead with impact, if we lead with value, the money's going to follow. It will. We have to be patient, but it will follow. And if we want to be a leader, if there's that promotion you're looking for, do the job. Just do it. And eventually the title will follow. And friends, if it doesn't, there are lots of other places you can do that thing and the title will follow. There's a, a great phrase. I don't know who it's attributed to. I didn't come up with it, but I love it. If you can't change the people around you, change the people around you. Wow, that is profound. And on that note, we are going to jump into our call to action segment. So Gregory, I want you to leave the listeners and viewers with your call to action for this segment. If they don't remember anything that we talked about, purposeful performance, leadership, creativity, and disruption, what do you want them to hold on to and take action so they could level up in all areas of their life? There are a set of skills. There are a set of skills in life that I didn't learn were truly important until I nearly lost the ability to speak, the ability to use my voice. In 2015, after speaking all day for many years in my day job and singing all night for many years in my night job, my voice was tired. It had been overused and didn't get an, excuse me, <clears throat> it had been overused and didn't get enough rest. And in the process of the surgeries required to heal my voice, I learned about these soft skills. And soft skills get a bad rap, so I want to start calling them tactical skills. Tactical skills like gratitude, curiosity, creativity, attitude, understanding what is attitude, belief, understanding what are beliefs, how do we change them, how do we grow them, how do we share them. And most employers don't train these skills. They train what I call technical skills, job-specific skills. If you work for an accounting firm, you're probably getting training on how to be an accountant. If you work in the restaurant or the food service industry, you're probably being trained on food and beverages and how to serve a plate properly. That's fine. We need to know those things. But if you don't love your nine to five, you've got from five to nine every day, a.m. and p.m., 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. to 9 p.m., to teach and to train and to work on yourself and to develop those tactical skills, those soft skills. Because no matter where you go, no matter what happens to you, what level of profession you are, what industry you're in, those skills are the differentiator between success and failure. It's not whether you can serve a plate properly. That's easy to figure out. It's not whether you can account, whether you can use a spreadsheet. That's easy to figure out. No skills are more valuable today than tactical skills. And so what I'd want them to walk away and do is pick a soft skill and develop it. Amazing. Pick a soft skill and develop it. And I would also add consistency is key, being persistent. And whenever you are struggling in a certain area, ask for help. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. Asking for help is a strength. So that's how you are going to level up and grow. And I also want to challenge you to find a mentor, whether it's a formal or informal mentor, 
a advocate or a sponsor to help you get to the next level in your career and in business. Because when we build those partnerships and create those synergies, we are going to go further versus just going fast and making those mistakes. You have to be cognizant of that. Rome wasn't built in a day. The world wasn't built in a day. So why do you think you could achieve your dreams in a day? Let that sit in and marinate. And Greg, Gregory, I want you to share your website as well as your social media handles where you primarily hang out with our listeners and viewers. Sure. So I'm on all the major, all the major socials. Um, Gregory Offner Jr. is generally the best way to find me. I'm, I'm the bald dude. Generally, I have a piano uh, somewhere in the picture. Um, my website is GregoryOffner.com, and it's a great place to go to check out more about this work. I'm, I'm pretty easy to get in touch with, too. You can email me from there. I think my phone number's on there. Um, so, I, you know, I welcome anybody who wants to reach out and connect, ask questions about the, the conversation that we've had today, ask how I can help you if you ask Maybe you'll receive, who knows? And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast. All of Gregory's uh, contact information will be in the show notes. Make sure you subscribe and share this segment. We are on 40 plus platforms. Also connect with us over on YouTube for all things video content by searching for at GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kent. And until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.